Welcome back to Mark's Madness. And we're back. Uh, welcome back. Once again, we're doing it again. Uh, in what order? In what order? You won't know. You'll never know. It's a mystery. Are we reading six pages ahead? Or are we reading six pages behind? That's sort of the thrill. You should all be following it- along at home. And if you uh, didn't notice that we just jumped forward six pages. Now, the fact that we only read three pages at a time, you probably were easy to, you know, you didn't miss a whole lot. But uh, yeah, you were, you were probably like, man, they must have breathed through three pages. They really That's just they missed that. that. All right. We do. Did it does actually- really mess people up, too, because we go in completely disparate paces episode to episode. Exactly. We probably got like a seven page episode and just assumed it was a 10 page episode. <laughs> and we did two back to back, like no up top current eventsy stuff and then just launching into it. Yeah. For those of you that are, are listening to this in the future in some sort of binge format uh we we accidentally had a hiccup where we released episode 23 as episode 22 and then 22 is 23 it'll be fixed by the time you binge this if you're listening to this anytime a week in you know anytime after september 1st of 2020 this won't be an issue for you yeah absolutely. Uh, but if you if you were listening to this week to week uh thank you for bearing with us during our fun little snafu um appreciate all the comrades that reached out on twitter and were like hey you idiots you you goofed this up please fix this for me appreciate y'all um that being said this is the first episode of the week uh for us recording at least which means that we're going to talk about current events and as of today august 13th uh, there are there are so many good current events going on. Uh, oh you, boy! Telling you right now, we're not talking about Top Cop and Captain Touchy. Um, no. That ain't, if you thought if you were coming no. here for the great takes on that, I'm sorry. There are a lot of other great podcasts out there. Go listen. Yeah, to those. it should it should look. We are here to help you get through theory, and the books dictate the episodes. And then, when necessary, whether it's because the book ties into current events, as will usually happen, so we're gonna have a hell of a lot of current events because I mean this theory is pertinent. And this history in this case, because black reconstruction is pertinent. Um, and of course it's especially pertinent, um, when we have an uprising, uh, against police violence, which is the, the modern, you know, constitution of, of slavery is the, the prison industrial complex. Um, and the answer is the progressive supposed people's party, the, the, uh, uh, they flipped. So this would be the modern equivalent of the party of, of Sumner and Lincoln and et cetera, et cetera, has decided that their presidential candidate uh, to, to one up, you know, the, the Andrew Johnson in reconstruction is the drafter of the crime bill and, and a DA that's yeah. So I, they read I think the you room can, incredibly well. Yeah. So I think you can figure that one out on your own. Um, I trust you know, you. I mean, obvious caveats like, you know, the, the Republicans are going to come out with, commercials you know pointing out that that it's a racist ticket and and joe biden's a big racist and and while that's not wrong so you shouldn't deny that you should look them in the face and say okay why do you think joe biden is a racist in a way that you disagree with because i agree that he's a racist i agree that kamala harris in spite of being a black woman is a racist against you know black people at large but if, if you're not a prison abolitionist, if you're not, you know, uh, for busing and against segregation, if you're not against the, you know, again, back to prison abolition against the 94 crime bill, if you're not, you know, against extensive social services, if you're not against the end of capitalism, if you're not against the end of imperialism, what, what is racist Biden to you? So, I mean, don't, don't like, I, I know you guys know not to go up and, and defend these guys as like, as if Joe Biden's racist, but also don't like just, 
give in. There's a reason this this coded language proliferates. This is an old right wing trope since you know the Nazi Party named themselves socialists and just twisted the big banks into the Jews. You know, I mean, it's it's point the finger at at, at rightful critiques of liberals uh, that. You know, in reality, they just want more extreme versions of, of what they're critiquing. They just want to be like it. They're the real racists, not us. Um, so, I mean, just look them straight in the face and be like, okay, you know, I agree. They're racist. What do you think is racist about them that you disagree with? Tell me. Give me material things. Because I can tell you what I disagree with that I find racist about those two. That's it. That's all that matters for current events. So uh, you not can for do, current events, for, for, for the that. Democratic ticket. That is the David. So again, there's, there's, there's a good dichotomy to the show. That's the David method of handling it. Or you can do the Nathan method, which is I'm just going to log off of Twitter and let K-Hive people beat up on MAGA people <laughs> I, and just I, see who comes out on top like Thunderdome style. I don't I care. Would, I would love that. I would love I'm that. Doing that. Uh, we've I'm also doing determined, that. in spite of the fact that I'm not technologically literate or on many different online outlets in spite of being a computer programmer here uh that i am on twitter a lot to the point that I, i'm probably more online than nathan but i'm i'm talking about the real world because that's what focuses to me the person Who's talking in the real we're all in quarantine no one's talking to people in the real yeah, world a lot of us are stuck drug into jobs with reactionary oh. and and unfortunately the family the co-workers all these interactions there's gonna be reactionaries out there and they're gonna think they're hotty toddy and smart yeah, no, it's, you know. shut them down. Shut them down all you want. Uh, other yeah. other current event before we get to the big. I love how we're not going to talk about the vice president thing. Six minutes on the vice president thing. Um, we're also sorry. <laughs> one thing that we are going to talk on very, very oh, briefly yeah. is it was very funny today. Uh, not funny. That's the wrong word. But uh, part of it's funny was there was an article. There was a trending topic on Twitter uh, oh, God. on Pal- on Palestine. And the, the, the reason it okay. was trending, other than the obvious reasons it should constantly be trending, because fucking yeah. free Palestine, um, the other reason was there was an article that had come out that talked about a plan by the, the Israelis back oh, in, I think yeah. it was the 70s, yes. to ship off excess Palestinian, to oh, ship that. off Palestinian <laughs> citizens to South America. And I, Nathan, am sitting there going, Man, why does that sound weirdly familiar? Oh, wait, because I've just been yelling about Linko trying to do that exact same thing Ugh. for like uh, 10 weeks now, it feels like. It's just yeah. nuts. It's been nonstop. That, so it's just time again. Time, you know, theory and history are, are, you know, they can be boring and they can be outdated. But every once in a while, they make Twitter really funny if you've got I, some tie in for it. I so forgot about mm. that and, and your very clever comments. I thought you were going a different way because there's multiple stories going on about Palestine right now. Of well, course, yeah, but know. I'm trying to bring a little um, bit of, I got to no, bring yeah, that, was, that was, that was hilarious because we just talked about that. We had just talked about it. It was so, yeah. Was like, oh, I thank mean, you, Twitter. Palestinians were gonna get sent down to, to somewhere in South America, probably with hundred dollar gift cards, personally signed by of Abraham course. Lincoln. No, it has to be yeah, hundred dollar, um, hundred dollar. Whoever the nineteen seventies uh, leader of Israel was, you know, right? Yeah. Um. <laughs> so someone that tried to purge the purge some Palestinians out to South America, they could have teamed up with the uh, freed slaves that also probably weren't yes. big on that. They would have joined up with the Mosquito Lands people, and uh, we would have had a real a real fighting chance. But that being yeah. said, the action. 
actual current event, and at the pace we're going, I'm I'm terrified that we're just going to do a whole episode on it. But I'm going to make us read <laughs> I hope for not, at least. I've not prepared. We for are it. reading for at least half of this episode. I promise Ooh. you that. That is the Nathan guarantee right Good. now. It might be a two hour episode. Gear up, folks. God damn it. We are going to because Nathan <laughs> is dumb and then refuses to also try and get any smarter. Um, because I no, it just makes me sad. So why would I That's keep fair. trying to do it? That's fair. I just so I, I I limit my getting smart to these times that I'm here with David and uh, the thing right now that I'd like to be smart about is there's some shit popping off in Belarus but I don't know anything about it other than all the people that would come out and say like free Hong Kong are really on are are all it's 100% a canvas project they're grouping to one side based on my color revolution stuff they're all going to one side but this time a bunch of the people that were supposed to be supporting and they're pro-democracy also have Nazi tattoos. And I'm a little confused as to how that's just oh, sneaking it, by. It goes so much deeper than the Nazi tattoos. There's tons of attempts to rehabilitate the quote-unquote alternative flag of Belarus. Um, What's and, the alternative flag of Belarus? Oh, okay. Um, David, so, I know, I did not know Belarus was a country until like 72 hours ago. I forget that that you're like that I'm oh, so slightly yes. younger than me and and cuz Belarus was I'm was two a big years deal. younger than you. That is not That's why excuse. I said oh so slightly. It's um, not that I'm younger than you that I don't know it. It's that I'm dumb and remain okay. dumb. Okay, so uh, I, I'll, I'll tell you, of course, I didn't know much about Belarus other than this weird, familiar buzzword until, you know, I was in my 20s learning about history. Guys, so I'll, I'll give you just, that. Just just uh, to make sure everyone knows, I, of course, know about Belarus. I have played Paradox games. I've played Hearts of Iron. I know <laughs> Belarus exists. But I, I'm playing, uh, I'm it's, playing it's, the part, but I really do know almost nothing about this. Oh, it's, it's quite an important country historically for tons and tons of, of tragic reasons and one very very positive basically state other everything than, in the, everything in eastern other Europe. than the fact that there's a color revolution attempt going on in there right now but yeah yeah i mean the, the eastern europe's had it rough um yes. so <laughs> yes and belarus is 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 certainly no exception and, and and we'll mention that in a second here so uh the reason belarus is is something that i would hope that that at least like you hear and you go, oh, if you're not familiar with Soviet history and you're at least 30 something is uh, because, unfortunately, one of the tragedies of our young childhoods where we were too young to understand, but would hear a lot of words. Um, so I could definitely tell you I grew up like knowing the name Gorbachev and, and Yeltsin. I just didn't know who the fuck they were. The pizza uh, guy. Is, yeah, the pizza guy uh, is Belarus was uh, one of the countries that voted for the dissolution of the Soviet Union, his former Soviet oh. country. Um, of course, no. you know, a lot of that was a push against what they perceived to be Russian chauvinism and Russification of the Soviet Union after Brezhnev, which, uh, again, you know, I mean, uh, dating back to the yeah. Khrushchev coup, the, a lot of the power went away from the, the Soviet of nations, which was technically the most powerful the entire time, hence why it had to vote to dissolve the Soviet Union. Uh, but, you know, of course, a military power being in the Supreme Soviet and, and Khrushchev's coup. And that, I mean, that that consolidated a lot of power there. Um, anyway, um, set, set history there aside, longer history, okay? Uh, <laughs> leading up to 1918, this was, of course, a territory run by uh, the Russian Empire, you know, the Romanovs, you know, uh, end of World War One. It was a German Imperial Army territory, okay? okay. And that's where it first okay. got established. And it was called the Belarusian People's Republic, okay? Um, 
obviously the nationalists there were a little on the far right side. <laughs> um, Wait, as, but nationalists as, on the far right? As happens in Eastern Europe, um, especially in, in German controlled territories. And uh, uh, I don't think that I don't I'm not guys. I don't know if it's controversial. I don't know if that qualification is necessary. Okay, fair, fair. <laughs> well, I, again, you know, we talked about in, in, a, name me a Eastern European country that doesn't have a minor problem with some far right nationalists. Okay, fair, fair. Yeah, I mean, most you know. countries have some problems with some far right nationalists. Oh, yeah, that's not. I mean, this, it's not like yeah. a thing in like America, even all even of in Europe. decolonial countries where we we you know let you know that the nationalism is is a good thing because it's decolonial. Uh, yes. We've talked about we 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 went at length in Wretched of the Earth about how there's reactionary nationalism versus you know um, material nationalism. Of course, you know. Of materialist nationalism. Sorry, um, of course, you know there's there's plenty of reactionary nationalism in, in these white countries and in, in, in Eastern Europe for for goddamn sure. Um, okay. But I do because this is something that has come up a couple times, um, yeah. and I do kind of want to touch on it um, yeah. a little bit. Do and I don't expect you to because you shouldn't have to. Um, do you know Caleb Maupin at all? Does that name ring a bell in any way to you? <sighs> Yeah, I vaguely know him. Okay, He's so like in a, the same RT, I think he grew up in America. He works. Okay, RT. he has some good YouTube videos and some dumbass reactionary views. He's, I mean, yeah. like, like just about any, any other um, socialist, at least you know, Marxist on on YouTube. Um, yeah. With the exception of so far, I've I've seen nothing but good out of Luna Oi. But outside of that, I do you get, know, yeah, no, left tube in general. We've talked about this. Is uh, we actually had a really good conversation about this. That it is, it's because of that feet that Skinner box feedback loop. We think that that's why all of Twitch and YouTube is very reactionary to a certain okay. extent because they're just chasing whatever thing gets clicks and clicks and clicks and clicks and clicks, and that tends to create a feedback loop where you just say dumb reactionary shit like Vosh does all the time. Um, sure, fair. Yeah. Oh my God, Vosh yeah. is very bad. Yeah. But, no. So the, the, there was a person that came over into the into, <laughs> into the uh, the Discord and yes. was because they came over from Moppin's server. We don't know how they found okay. or how they trickled over. All right, but they started going in because we basically were like it, it, the name came up and it was like, hey, should we know who this is? And everyone based because that's my that's my bar is I'm like it, this a name comes up like. I just go to Discord and go, hey, should I give a fuck? And everyone goes, everyone can basically go, here's all the reasons you probably shouldn't give a fuck. And I'm like, cool, not going to give yeah, a fuck. because, I mean, here's the problem. And this is where I take bad notes. I'm, I have bad memory. If you haven't stumbled on this person before or you don't remember and you click and listen to anything that does not have to do with – uh, you know, like land back or, or nationalism of, of ethnic groups or Black Lives Matter or um, or official U.S. enemies and their proxies. If you avoid yeah. those those four subjects, these guys seem really, really smart. They break it down really, really well. And then they open their fucking mouths about these things that matter. These things where the theory actually applies and exactly. it's all, all out the fucking window. And so that's my bar. That's how I that's how I just filter, because there is so much yeah. stuff. There's so much good stuff that I don't get time for. It's like, I'm not going to mm-hmm. add more inputs to the system if I can have somebody filter it out for me. So I said, Who's sure. Yeah. And that's that's not the most Maoist thing. You're supposed to know what your enemies think and be able to break it down. But again, you know, I mean, th- if we have a I collection did. of people and we collectively I understand what they think with that i was our enemy well yeah i, okay. I read all the shit i know what they think i, I don't need you. to listen to it anymore i get you i get you okay <laughs> um but so i i was like all right so, so this person came over was like trying to defend no no this person and the the thing that is interesting to me is they the the the, the 
I've never seen someone fall back on this as a as a crutch the way they did. Is is they were trying to defend because Caleb Mobbins, one of his big criticisms is he hangs out with this uh, this dude named Duggan, Duggan. Yeah. That is just a okay. straight up fascist. Oh boy. Oh, where do you go, Alexander? Alexander Dugan. He's the, he's a he's like a boogeyman in for everyone says His he's like the guy. Sounds familiar. He's Alexander the he's Dugan. the equivalent of uh, Steve Bannon for Putin. He's like oh, the guy God. whispering in Putin's ear and telling Putin all these. Oh hyper- yeah, I know who this guy is. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Of course, you do. You have to. Um, you would you of all people would absolutely know who this dude is. And I know exactly who this dude is. Mm-hmm. And Maupin apparently like hangs out with him. And oh they, fuck! They like went to a convention. The guy he was a literal Nazbol. He yeah, was oh, yeah. literally part of that party. Not only part of that party, if I remember correctly, um, so much as Nazbol is a real party and not just straight up fascist as existed even in socialist countries yeah. lately um so much as it's not even straight up fascist that take a culty nationalist pride in soviet history is all it really is like we're the people we're the government of the people oh yeah all our views are fascist but you know I mean, <laughs> and again you know i mean we, we've seen that kind of thing happen um anyway you know i mean that's an example of a guy that that took this you know we beat the Nazis, you know, nationalist pride in the socialist history. And oh, by the way, they're unapologetically and unironically Nazis. And you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, obviously the only way it makes sense is, is as a cover for Nazis, uh, where you don't mind using it as a nationalist propaganda to say like, you know, Hey, Hey, we kind of went awry with this people's shit. Um, because that's our great history, but, but we're better than that. We're better people. We're, we're, we're the, the real, um, um, not Liebensbrom. That's the 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 better people word. Ubermensch. Ubermensch. We're we're the we're Damn, the real Ubermensch, that and that's why we had the people's <laughs> government. And now it's time for the people's government to realize that we're the Ubermensch, and, and we had to defeat Nazi Germany. But they're right. You know, I mean, that's what it actually fucking is. There's not a way to unironically be a Nazbol. It's yeah. it's a bunch of bullshit fascists. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure he's actually, if I remember right, because again, this party is not that old. No. It popped up in the 80s. 80s. Um, pretty sure he's one of the founders. Yes, he is. Okay, <laughs> he is a straight up fascist by every stretch of the imagination. He wrote oh, yeah. a book called like The Fourth Way or something like that. That oh, is like if a he was, synthesis if, of all of yeah, this. Yeah, if he if he was a defector in any way because it had happened earlier in the Soviet arc, he would just be Solzhenitsyn. So again, when we're you're talking about far right and this was where it yes. came up because this was the argument was well, Duggan's not He's not a fascist. He's an he's a conservative anti-imperialist and reactionary th- nationalism. Okay, so uh, reactionary it- nationalism from a colonized nation. And again, there are colonized nations within the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union as a whole was anti-imperialist, but the Russian portion was not a colonized nation. So reactionary nationalism in a colonial nation, including Russia, is always fascism because fascism is is imperialism, colonialism turned back in on a country and you can and the trick is is the thing and the thing where you've got to be very careful with actually understanding where this goes is this person that was in there arguing for it said well the people that told him to look into this guy are venezuelan and iranian 
So they're from the global south. We must therefore listen to them. Their opinion on he's an anti-imperialist. That's a different strand of reactionary nationalism. And again, we don't want reactionary nationalism. That's the thing is you can be in the global south and have shitty reactionary nationalist opinion. That is not carte blanche cover for a fascist. No, it's not. And that's something like, you know, we need to understand because this is the national question, right? This is the national question. The country has to sort it out within itself. This goes back to Lenin. So, and this is where we talked about that whole introduction, uh, that whole introduction by um, um, Sartre, Sartre in in Wretch of the Earth, because much of Wretch of the Earth is about reactionary nationalism versus materialist nationalism, which mm-hmm. we have to apply to ourselves, you know, within our community when we're talking about land back. But even as white people here, we have to be careful not to try to apply it ourselves. Definitely, as soon as we get out to um, to the effect that, you know, the, the, the puppet, the non-aligned and combative and socialist states out there that, that all, you know, relate to U.S. hegemony. As soon as you get out of the U.S. borders, right, we mm-hmm. definitely should not be the ones sorting through reactionary versus um, – Versus materialist nationalism, totally. I mean, again, you know, the point of that is that the point and the problem with reactionary nationalism in the global south is not that it's fascistic the way it is in the global north. It's that whether it has fascistic tendencies or just leans on on free market capitalism and opportunism, it lives to serve and reassert the colonialism. And and that's, you know, again, we need to read neocolonialism by Kwame Nkrumah, but yes, we do. But yes, that's we do. that's you know one of the tools of, of neocolonialism, right? Yeah. And uh, and so that's the problem with reactionary nationalism is it it serves the empire. And yeah. so if you pit the empire against nationalism in the global south, reactionary or materialist, that's that's not helping combat what's actually wrong with reactionary nationalism. So like if you look at Lebanon and, and the very sad news about the entire government resigning, well, it's not time to stick yeah. your nose in and go. Well, they're reactionary nationalists. They're not socialists. You know, I mean, they they only they only live because you know Hezbollah defended the country from Israel, and even Hezbollah isn't necessarily socialist. They're just you know nationalists. It's not not a problem. We need to look at it and go, oh, Hezbollah resisted U.S. imperialism and and Israel as a U.S. puppet state violently taking over an ex, in, uh, expansive you know um, policies, right? And the colonial policies that are are. St- damping out Palestine. Okay. But anyway, I mean, you know, so that's, that's, we should be worried about, you know, full support of, and and again, critical support. And and we should understand that actually means critical support, but in public, even critical support is full support. Critical support is, is internally and with analysis and with understanding your relationship and with directly relating, like if you and me were going to go out and talk to Hezbollah people, then the critical is important. Or if we're talking to, say, you know, indigenous people that that are, if we talk about like China, indigenous people that are, are, are uh, affected by the Tar Sands Project, then the critical is important. But if we go back like on our Twitter accounts or to, to people that aren't affected by the Tar Sands Project or whatever, we should focus on the sport. It, it should almost appear as if it's uncritical, even if it's full, truly critical. Full support on Twitter. So uncritical support on Twitter, critical support in the Discord. There are lines. It is not hard, people. Just get get it. I'm getting that, a T-shirt made with that on it because that's I've that said is, it so many damn times. That is how you translate it through social media. Uh, but again, you what know, other way do we computer. know in these in oh, these God fun damn times? It, uh, anyway, anyway. Um, but you know, I mean, that that's the thing you got to worry about. Like, it's not your job to sort that out. But when you're looking at these colonial countries right including russia if soviet union was not 
colonialist, but that doesn't mean R- Russia itself didn't have this colonial history. It was never a colonized nation. Yeah. Um, you know, when you look at these these colonial history in the colonial countries, uh, reactionary nationalism is always going to be fascistic. And even in some of these countries that were liberated through communism in the Eastern Bloc, um, reactionary nationalism can be fascism because fascism ran deep because it rose up first, directly tied with actual European fascism. You know, that's a material condition. They were tied to the fascist party in Italy and they were tied to the Nazis and they were running pogroms. As, you know, Russian Empire satellite states and Russian Empire states, there were there were program running, you know, Cossacks and Poles and, and all this, you know. And so they're actual fascists when you're looking at like Eastern Europe or colonial countries when they're reactionary nationals. So, yeah, it's unacceptable because we cannot support fascism. You know, we can support we can understand the national question. You, we cannot and, support and fascism. And that is the hard Again. I am not we're not saying that this is easy. Again, look no. at look at something as simple as like the new Black Panther Party versus something like the new African Black Panther Party. Yeah, yeah. No. You yeah, have definitely. two groups. Again, if you're just boiling this down to pure id poll and they both dis- Again, you can see, okay, well, you know, we have oppressed group A and B. They're both they so they're not you still well, it's have Well, oppressed group A, it's 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 group within oppressed group A and B. Exactly. <laughs> but you have to this is where having more – this is the, one of the few times, again, having the theory is important because these kind of very, yeah. very important That's things why we're here. do yeah. come up. They yes. are real, and you yes. can spot them so much easier. And Again, and Wretched of the, without Wretched of the Earth, yeah. I would not be able to spot this shit even a no. little bit. And I'm – Again, still not great at this, but I can still kind of – But you recognize least, the color revolution, which is good. You Again, you start to be able to see this kind of stuff. And again, yeah. I, it's not like I spotted Belarus and was like, Hi, I know what's going on here. It's just yeah. I, I know who to trust and where to, I follow people that are generally – on this and and have a good analysis on it so david can that being said you're the person i follow on this so please continue your very good analysis of this uh yeah so okay so belarus going back to to the belarusian um people's republic okay so it had a flag it was white with a red stripe this is what the german occupied program i think they were program running everything around there that was rationed it was program running at the time so might as <laughs> it's well eastern europe uh, it's 19 yeah. it's early 20th no, I, century pogroms i'm pretty sure that's not made up like i'm pretty sure i i know most of the program pogroms were in like you know ukraine and poland it, it was all over so you know pogrom running. Pogrom. what's that everybody gets a pogrom <laughs> Everybody gets a pogrom. God you get a pogrom. You get a pogrom. Everybody <laughs> so, gets a pogrom. <laughs> so anyway, um, so you know these these pogrom running uh, far right German occupied country, right? That was formerly you know again you know very reactionary region of of pogrom running Romanov Russian Empire. Uh, there was a and I think it was the Polish Soviet War. Um, hold on a second. Uh, Polish-Soviet War uh, ends about the same time as the Volga famine, although, to my knowledge, not correlated, even if war brings on a lot of famine. Um, but the Soviets won Belarus there, which really means, you know, Belarus liberated themselves, but the Red Army had to go in to help with it, okay? Um, so they became a, a, Be- a Belarusian um, Soviet Republic, right? Um, just right away. Okay. It wasn't like Tuvan, where there was like the Tuvan People's Republic for 10 years, and then it rallied to become... Um, a Soviet Republic like Belarus was was in right away. Okay, shit, Belarus um, is huge. It, yeah, oh yeah, it's a big country. Yeah, um, but anyway, so you know, of course, that stupid ass white and red stripe program running nationalist yay Germany flag gone. 
completely gone. And it's a red and green flag uh, with a nice, pretty design down the left and, and a nice, you know, Soviet hammer and sickle there. Is there that way for a long time, right? Um, well, as that happens, their government doesn't give up, right? And they, remember, this was the explicitly openly German puppet government, okay? Pre-Nazis. Um does not give up that that they're a government in exile. So it's technically the world's oldest government in exile. I think they call it like the the Raba or the Rada or something like that. It's 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 like the Belarusian um, word for like same thing as Duma. Um, mm, okay. okay, makes sense. Um, so anyway, they, they're in exile since like nineteen twenty something. Okay, um, and they still fly this flag, this this white with red striped flag. Well, World War Two comes along and. Belarus, again, you know, where I told you, and partisan is a term, so I want to specify Yugoslav partisans. Everybody who fought in, in World War II on the, on the Eastern Front was incredibly brave. You don't lose you know, 22 million people and defeat the Nazis and, and take it from Stalingrad back to Berlin victoriously without being incredibly brave and fighting for everybody's humanity with every ounce of you being, and no one should take away from any of that. But I stand by that Yugoslav partisans were the most you know, heroic fighters, right? Um, there's also everything was tragedy. You know, and probably the side of the greatest tragedy, the greatest ethnic cleansing, specifically of Jews in the Holocaust, was Belarus. Um, Belarus' population was like, God, I think it was, again, you know, I did not research for this. No, no, no. I feel it was like several million um, before the war, and it was in like the hundreds of thousands after. Good. And like the Jewish population there. And just like in, in... in Yugoslavia, the Jewish population, which was vibrant before the war, was just gone. Absolutely gone. Okay. Um, very sad. But again, you know, at the end of the war, there was victory. They had defeated the Nazis. The Belarusian Soviet Republic was reestablished. It was there. Well, of course, during the Nazi occupation, because the whole time they had gotten east of Belarus and were fighting their way into Moscow, you know, winning Moscow, winning Leningrad, taking it all the way to Stalingrad, and then having to be pushed back across Right. Um, throughout the whole time, Germany, for the second time, had occupied Belarus. Hmm. Guess what flag they were flying? Uh oh. Is it the is it the white with the red? It's the white with a pretty red stripe right across. God yeah, yeah, damn yeah, it. yeah. It's like somebody cut a little section out of the American flag. But it's the white flag with a red stripe, right? So like, you know, peppermint Nazi patty, whatever the fuck. Little little white and red stripe. Okay. <laughs> They win it back. It, it returns to its beautiful green and red with the pretty design down the left and the, and the hammer. It's a circle very pretty design. It's a gorgeous design. Um, and I think, again, you know, that's a tribute to the culture of the uh, uh, Belarusian. I think there's an ethnic group that's like Belarus. And I think it's a tribute to that. Belarusian, that's it, Belarusian. Yeah. And uh, again, this is stuff that if I had time to take notes, I could tell you off the cuff. It's a, it, this is the best my brain can do. Guys, uh, I, I only sprung this on David yesterday. And I didn't have any time to take a single note and no completely time. forgot about it. I told it this him morning. yesterday, hey, I'm going to ask you to, to condense <laughs> Belarus into like the first part of an episode. And I was like, okay. And then I thought about it for five more minutes and then work got stressful. And then yeah. I showed my kids some shooting stars. And, and, and then I woke up the next morning completely oblivious. We so all, here we we all do these things. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, um, <clears throat> so this is this way for until the dissolution of the, the Soviet Union and the dissolution of the Soviet Union, they, I think they slightly even changed the design of the left. It's basically the same. They basically they just remove the hammer and sickle. And, yeah, hammer, and it's, ha- ham six are, ham six are out, but it's still a very gorgeous design. Yeah. But throughout the whole time, this world's 
oldest government in exile, and it's a very tiny number of supporters in Belarus. Again, they are allowed to have this Nazi flag in spite of the fact that because it's not explicitly like like East Germany with the, the the swastika, even though I mean, this is a country that has, you know, they do not like fascists, right there. If there is a country where you go, where you say anti fascist, and they don't like translated into three down arrows, they're like, okay, that's the same as I breathe air anti fascist. They do not like fascists, except no. the small percentage, of course, that are it's Belarus, because again, that history. Right, white um, Ruthania. That's what it was called. God damn it! it took me forever. White Ruthania is what it's called in uh, Hearts of Iron Four. Sorry. Oh, okay. back to your back to your thing. Um. So anyway, um. So they're they're uh, um. That actually sounds familiar. Like like I think the the I think that was the like maybe like a German word for it, like Ruthania. No, it, it's the Latin. Right. Ruthania is the Latin okay. translation. It's white. Yeah, it's called okay. white and, Russia and, and, or and white Germany, Ruthania. We think, we think of Germany. So again, I say German occupied. This Holy Roman Empire occupied. Germany was eventually a, a cohesion of Holy Roman Empire, um, Prussia, and like seven other small kingdoms. And Prussia took most of the power of it, but most German nationalists have more affinity for the Holy Roman Empire like Hitler. In, um, like three, anyway. in, in German, Dutch, and Afrikaans, it is literally called Belarus is literally called White Russia. Oh, okay. That's his name. Okay. That's how that's how they literally describe it. Okay. So I mean that again, that makes sense. Okay. So um so anyway, so this white and red flag is still allowed to be flied there. It's how free the speech is in this like and again, I'm not a proponent of like just super duper free speech, but this super, you know, censored, authoritarian, whatever, right? And and again, this is a former Soviet republic. Um, and yet in their elections, they can have multiple candidates, you know, because every socialist country does democracy a little different way. You know, there was this, this USSR, which, you know, consolidated in one party, and you basically had the Soviets, the people in the party, you know, the workers approved what the Soviets did to keep the Soviets in power. The Soviets picked candidates and the workers got to do a, a yes or no, yay, nay vote. If you went yay in more than 50%, you're in, and they could like pull you out any, in all the socialist countries, they can pull you out anytime 50% vote. You have Cuba where the party exists, but it really is a facade. It has no power. It's just direct, you know, democracy from the ground up. You have the DPRK where it's the same kind of, you know, bottom up direct democracy, but there are still parties and there are five or four different parties plus two independents in the Supreme People's Assembly. In in Belarus, you have not just like one candidate or one candidate per, I guess it's one candidate per party running, but you have multiple people running. And so there was like an election, okay, to see if Lukashenko, who is basically been in power because a lot of countries, you know, I mean, Cuba just adopted it, but a lot of countries don't see term limits as making things more democratic. Okay. Socialist or not. Right. And so Lukashenko has been in power for basically since the the collapse of the Soviet Union that maybe it's more like, maybe it's more like 20 years. Anyway, he's been in power for a while. Okay. Uh, And this is, this is a socialist, you know, leader. I mean, so you're going to get, you know, free education and, and, you know, um, housing and food stipends and, and things like that. You know, I mean, he's he's going to support the people. So he's going to be very, very popular. And so they have this election and there's like five different candidates and he wins like 80% of the vote, which sounds outlandish because we're used to America. But if we had an actual party, people gave a shit about 80% of the votes wouldn't sound crazy. And this is not like 100% or even like 90%, which is an outlandish if you do a yes, no vote and everybody pick the person. This is 80%. Of the other remaining 20%, most of it is taken up about 9% by, and I forget her name. Um, what is this lady's the name? The one that, that fled right? to Lithuania? The one that fled to Lithuania, exactly. That's all I know. Um, but anyway, <laughs> Again, she, you know she how much I know. Yeah, um, I forget her name. God damn it. 
Um, but anyway, she only got 9% of the vote. So this is less than 10% of the population. This is about a ninth of the support Lukashenko had, you know, it, even if you, you say like he doesn't have the support of these other parties or whatever. And her party is is the explicitly fascist one and they fly this white flag with this red line. And so a bunch of protesters come out. It's a fake election. And so now there's all these news articles. Well, both sides are saying they won the election. So now it sounds disputed. Now it's, they're not really saying the election was fraudulent. Like they, you know, did with like Bolivia or Venezuela. This, this, everything you're saying, like if I just kind of like turn my brain off a little bit and just hear like certain numbers and key points, it sounds exactly like Bolivia. It sounds exactly yeah. like what happened to Morales. Yeah, with the exception of like Evo didn't even necessarily win all the all the um, um, indigenous vote. There's another party that that has strong indigenous yeah. support, and he won like forty percent of the vote. But there was like eight different parties that was that was near half of the population voting for him, and that was a um, what do you call it? Where you don't win an outright majority, but it's the same as majority. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, plurality. Plurality. Yeah, I mean that's it was a strong pl- plurality, right? Um, so anyway, um, so this is, you know, this is even, this is a super strong majority. Lukashenko has it, but when they say, you know, both sides say they won now, it sounds disputed. It sounds kind of 50, 50. It sounds like both sides are just as big. And all of a sudden these color rev people that I, I'm pretty darn sure there was evidence already pointed out. They were trained by canvas, which no, that yeah, was canvas, the group. Th- there's already canvas is already yeah. getting tied to this heavily. Yeah, as, as you know, as they, they should be. There's no, I mean, Canvas, and Canvas was the one that arose out of Yugoslavia. We were specifically talking with Serba Popovich um, in that Color Rev special. Um, but anyway, so Canvas is tied to this heavily, and all these, you know, Canvas supported supposedly, we think we won the election, and it's it's all rigged protesters. And, and you're still talking 9% of the country, so it's a lot of people. It looks big on a camera, waving these white and red explicit Nazi flags in a country that was almost completely annihilated by Nazis, you know, pushing back against the police. And then a few of them get arrested. They're not like you know, shot or, or anything like that. You know, a few of them get arrested. And so there's a couple videos out about them like, showing some of the, the people getting arrested. But if you can get arrested, because, you know, protesters are, are going to get arrested just or not, right? I mean, this is the thing. You've got to look at what's behind stuff. I mean, protest is going to look the same. The reaction to protest is going to look the same if you just oppose who's in power and you don't examine, you know, the class um, character of the protests or the government or what the protests are actually about or anything like that, which is the whole game of these color revolutions. Um, and, you know, so, I mean, they get arrested, you know, whatever, but it's, it's an explicitly Nazi party running an explicitly Nazi flag that ties even before the Nazi takeover and occupation to a different German occupation. Um, yeah, I mean, these, these are people that, that want, you know, Jewish people and, and Roma people to, to die and, and they're, they're, you know, this is where anti-communism leads. And, and of course, this is the biggest opposition and they're less than 10% of the country in a country that has held up against these other color revolutions, largely because of that tragic history, largely because if anywhere in this world hates fascism, it's the majority of the population of Belarus. And, and two things that, this ties together again just if if you're a listener and again i i trust that almost all of our listeners are much better at this than i am uh-huh. um and much smarter than i am but as a very yes. dumb person that just absorbs little pieces of information as they get thrown at me mm-hmm. on the internet there are there are two things about all of this and thank you again david for uh, I, again yeah. the context is so important here and so 
critical, but there are two little things that, that I, I do want to point out that, that tie in for me. One, uh, for a numbers game, uh, two million people died in Belarus during the Nazi occupation, um, which is about a quarter of their population. So they lost okay. basically one fourth of their population during the Nazi occupation. Yeah, I mean, that's, which that's is insane. In again, we, we like, you know, we, 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 we hold how many how many things do we prop up about? Oh, our brave warrior. America has never lost a quarter of our fucking population in a foreign war. Are you kidding me? It would be unheard no, we've of. We've never been invaded by fascists and been down, you know, no, we, invaded and then occupied. And then the parent country that helps us, you know, survive because it has to because we have Nazis on our heels on the other side. Not that we're not defending ourselves is is through their capital and, and dying off, you know, and then fought all the way back. It's it is a again, an incredible incredible amount of lives lost to to this so again you want to understand a group that loses a quarter one in four of the of people in their country died of nazis you're gonna guess that most of them aren't nazis but you're still the fact that there is a strong you know ultra right national resistance should not shock anyone because it exists everywhere. There is always going to be that element of anything yeah. until it is completely until until we have yeah until we have and this is the thing like I I strongly am against Trotsky and and like liked reading Black Bolshevik where it was basically laughed out the room that you know it sounded really good on paper and then it was laughed out of the room the second it was like oh how does this please, actually apply to David, us with the David, Trotsky's please defend uh, Trotsky right now please with Trotsky's total revolution but David or, defend Trotsky. But God damn it, shut up, Nathan. Defend uh, Trotsky, but, David. but the fact of the matter is, is, you know, until until the whole world, you know, you you can get yourself, you can be socialist and you can collapse class character and you can you can weigh down until it's not an everyday issue with fascism and racism and and things in a socialist country it's the only way you can defeat it you know cuba is a good example but that doesn't mean like racism goes away again cuba is a good example even it's very very minimized all this former soviet countries still with fascism you know in there is is a good example It, it can't be fully defeated until we have world total communism and enough time to get everybody ideologically in line which is why you have to wither away the state and to be clear everything we just said will happen so long after Everyone listening to this is dead. Oh, it's not yeah. even. Don't try to funny. rush the withering away. <laughs> None. So do not for a because second think that any of that by fascists. Exactly. That being said, uh, let's do that awesome transition we had prepped from Belarusian uh, history to <laughs> Black Reconstruction and sometime in the future. The whole proof of what the South proposed to do. To the emancipated Negro, unless restrained by the nation, was shown in the Black Codes passed after Johnson's ascension. But representing the logical result of the attitudes of mind existing when Lincoln still lived. Guys, if there's one thing we've learned throughout this whole book, nothing about when Lincoln should live should be retained. Burn it. (laughs) Burn it all. Put it in his tomb. Send it off with him. Just be done with it. Some of the some of these were passed and enforced. Some were passed and afterward repealed or modified when the reaction of the North was realized. In other cases, as for instance in Louisiana, it is not clear just which laws were retained and which were repealed. In Alabama, the governor induced the legislature not to enact some parts of the proposed code, which they overwhelmingly favored. 
The original codes favored by the Southern legislatures were an astonishing affront to emancipation and dealt with vagrancy. Hmm. Who else has been dealing with with vagrancy in a weirdly repressive (laughs) manner? Hmm. I don't know. Specifically along racial lines. I don't know. They're definitely not someone that would be associated with the Confederacy, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Vagrancy, apprenticeship, labor contracts, migration, civil and legal Mm. rights. Again, great. We say this. We say the parties flipped. They didn't all the way flip. Yeah. Uh, in all cases, there was plain and indisput- There was a plain and indisputable attempt on the part of the Southern states to make Negroes slaves in everything but name. They were given certain civil rights. I love. I love when I have certain civil rights: the right to hold property, to sue, and to be sued. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Fuck off! Yeah, I love if I'm if I'm making a top three list of rights I'd like. It's property. I want to sue somebody, and I would appreciate if you'd let me be sued, please. Yeah, yeah. All the other things, you know, whatever. Right? <laughs> the Their family relationship. Yeah. Peers, no, none voting. No, none of that. Yeah, no, no. Property no. lawsuits. The family relations, for the first time, were legally recognized. Negroes were no longer real estate. Oh, what glory days we've approached. Yeah, I was going to say, it's grotesque that that's a step forward, but that's an actual step forward. That, again, as a sentence, Negroes were no longer real estate is one sentence, and that is... I don't don't think Du Bois was was meaning for you to take it any less, because the reality is not any less grotesque. Again, Dr. W.E.B. Du Bois is nothing if not intentional with the words he uses and, and oh, yeah. he used them very effectively there yes yes yet, afraid and intentional yet in the face of this the black codes were deliberately designed to take advantage of every misfortune of the negro negroes were liable to slave trade under the guise of vagrancy and apprenticeship laws hmm hmm yeah. Man, I bet the person, you know what I bet, David? I bet the person that made a whole movie about how the 13th Amendment is an addendum to slavery definitely recognizes how these sorts of issues uh, impact the African-American community today and are, are a continuation of that and definitely didn't write a very lengthy Instagram post defending Kamala Harris's VP and how she is the best case scenario and we should all be very thankful for her. I am you sure. say, I'm terminally online and I did not see this horrible hell Instagram post. Don't no, don't make me look at it. Don't no, we're reading. We're reading. We we're are reading. reading. We're reading. We're absolutely reading. We're absolutely reading. We're reading. Do not at, burn my face. Early on in this podcast, we did recommend 13th as a yeah. very good watch because it's an amazingly as especially as someone like me that was open you know early on in my my conversion yeah. to the left that opened my eyes to what the prison industrial complex is holy yeah. shit this is slavery and everything but name holy cow yeah. how could anyone support this this is insanity the person that made that documentary made a very long instagram post chastigating anyone who dare question top cop da kamala harris as a progressive activist for freedom and equality for everybody 
<sighs> That's exciting. All right, back to work. Back to the book because my brain doesn't need this right now. You read it. <laughs> All right. So anyway, um, do, 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 to make the best labor contracts, Negroes must leave the old plantations and seek better terms. But if caught wandering in the search of work and thus unemployed and without a home, this was vagrancy, and the victim could be whipped and sold into slavery. Seems fair. Definitely materially totally different. Fair. Yeah, we um, emancipated people, but if you are wondering if you're unemployed for a couple weeks oh, we're gonna whip you and make you a slave yeah and i mean obviously this part's gonna go a little slower so we, we already have a shorter episode and now we're definitely not gonna get through more than four pages but uh i do want to point out that not <laughs> only is this obviously four paragraphs fuck off yeah yeah we were we were sitting there like lamenting like okay you know finally they won that there's a joyous this is gonna be sad going forward this is obviously the turn and it's not it's not a plot twist. We knew this was coming. Um, but also, this lays out very, very clearly already, and I'm sure it will as we continue this paragraph, because every time we speak up, Du Bois says it better. Um, people for a long time have pointed out, cops you know, came from slave patrols. Cops came from slave patrols. Cops came from slave patrols. And it's like, okay, well, how do you materially draw this line? Bang. Here's the line. Here's how they transitioned. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, how do you materially draw this line? Page 167. That's how you yeah. draw it. That's how you drive. Uh, in, the turmo- in the turmoil of war, children were separated from parents or parents unable to support them properly. Mm. These children could be sold into slavery, and the former or- owner said, minors shall live, shall have the preference. Something that in prison abolition is the role of these, like, you know, division of family services mm. and, you know, when people are, are on drug rehabilitation or former felons or things like that, uh, threat of having their family destroyed, especially when they face, you know, homelessness or an eviction and, and situations like that, or especially if they're, you know, black or indigenous or, you know, I mean, these are, these are real material widespread problems where this is a form of, of carceral state. And I'm trying to think of who it is that the prison abolitionist that wrote an article in 2018 oh god i wish i, I, I we'll try to look up the article and put well, it in the show notes yeah um but it, there's an article about being cognizant as as prisons become and they're super profitable i mean they you know charge absorbent amounts for for i can't think of the word begins with a c where you get your your stuff you can commissary. buy commissary um you know I'm absorbent amounts for phone calls. i'm just a dictionary on this goddamn show it's all <laughs> thank <my> you <laughs> It's all you need to be. You're very good at it. Uh, so anyway, you're, you're a dictionary and shouty guy. Uh, so anyway, um, you know, but there and, and don't downplay Nathan. He's a very good part of the show. Come on, guys. Uh, but anyway, um, you know, uh, exorbitant amounts for phone calls. You know, I mean, all those things are very, very profitable for prison. So you don't have to turn out the slave labor uh, for the prison industrial complex to be profitable. You don't have to just be, you know, a tool of gentrification by by shifting problems around for the prison industrial complex to be profitable is very profitable in many ways but as it becomes less profitable over time or as we push back and make sure it's less profitable or make sure the cost is isn't worth it and they have to expand the prison industrial complex in other ways be cognizant of the ways they expand it and and how those ways are profitable to them uh because you know things like ankle monitors things like family separation with this kind of you know dfs stuff is already in place and Mm -hmm. it it would only get worse so we do need to understand everything that's part of the imprisoned industrial complex and how it ties together and again we're seeing direct roots from the end of slavery you know this is this is from the breeding in the border states to 
you know, a daring fight to, to liberate yourself. And you know, maybe, you know, now you've died and left children behind and turns it directly back in a tool of this this human trafficking and that's what it is you know I mean, people throw around human trafficking and 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 define it however they want to come down on on sex work and and expand police brutality against it and, and never think of how complex of a word it is and yet as you very explicitly see here the primary tool of of human trafficking is the police of the hegemonic empire directly against former slaves and slave descendants and this you know, is i there is a, a and again, we, we talk about DFF. When we talk about again tying this pack, this this entire episode yeah. is going to be reading two paragraphs and tying everything else back to current events. And, and <laughs> if you're not okay with They're that, I don't paragraphs. know why you're listening to the show. This is all we do. This is all we do. <laughs> this but episode's extreme, but it's what we do. It is. Ex- it is the extreme. Next episode, we're gonna do nothing but read. I promise you. But get through this one. Um, I have a a friend that I went. A friend is a loose word, but uh, a person I went to high school with who went on in her career is a social worker. Yeah. Wanted to be a social worker her whole life as the defund the police shift, all this work over to social work, all that started happening. They made a very poignant argument of be careful about just saying X group, bad Y group. Good. I mm-hmm. see there. And their argument was, I see so many social workers that have cop mindsets that act mm-hmm. the exact same way, but just are doing it with a different tool set. They don't want to have the gun to be on the front lines, but they want to enforce the exact same hierarchy, the exact same structure, the exact same oppressive behaviors upon you. Mm-hmm. They're just going to do it through a way that's much more socially acceptable. If you're not cognizant of that, and that is, again, back to well, the and that's- very beginning. That's back to Marx. That's base. And so- when you have this underlying rot of systemic racism of misogyny of all these other things you are never going to get free of that and create some sort of egalitarian utopia through little little tweaks through small little little pressures on the system that's not the answer you're just going to create another devil that you don't know because you're not in that particular industry this is the way the system is built. You can't change that through small tweaks. Yeah. Um, so something to remember, too, and I certainly hope that your abolitionist reading um, and your, your abolitionist work, you know, of course, but your abolitionist reading isn't just limited to Our Prisons Obsolete by Angela Davis. Uh, but the very important. That being said, it's reason- a great book and please read it. Yeah. Very important book. Um, and maybe I'm going to try to do a side series on it. Keep keep trying to rev up and then keep <laughs> keep falling back to it. It was going to happen Monday. It didn't happen Monday. Uh, but anyway, um, but I hope you're not limited to that. But one one great thing that book does very, very early on, I think it's, it, again, I, should, I just took notes. If I look over my notes, I could probably see it, but I don't know where I put them. But uh, it, it's either chapter one or chapter two. I think it's chapter one. She talks about the roots of prison and where they came from. And it was meant to be more humane. It was meant to be that humane alternative to 
capital punishment. And if you just chip away down the line, a more humane alternative, a more humane alternative, you're going to come out with similar results that are just thinly veiled and, and harder to abolish. And maybe they, they, at least on the surface, are more humane the way we have two parties that aren't really different at all as we are properly ragging on this episode, but one appears more humane in this country. And that may shed some good results for you know a few hundred or a few thousand people at a time. Overall, it just, it just reinforces the system. Um, so yeah, I mean, don't, do not fall for that. Um, and hopefully, hopefully the biggest reading you have, uh, to sharpen your prison abolition is, uh, communication, uh, writing letters with, with someone in prison. If you can hook up, you know, a group, maybe like black and pink or someone, but outside of that, you know, definitely read more than one book about it. Um, (laughs) that being said, speaking of reading, David, do you want to read more of this book? Yes, I do. Uh, Negroes could come into court as a witness only in cases in which Negroes were involved. See, again, this is and this is all stuff that wasn't sorted out until like 1960. Less yeah. than a sentence. Come the fuck. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah, these were the issues. These were like the MLK issues and stuff, you know. Um, and even then, they must make their appeal to a jury and a judge who would believe the world of any white man in preference to that of any Negro on pain of losing office and caste. Yep. That even with the that work, on- again, that we just pointed to the civil rights movement and MLK on- to, you know, not uh, the Voting Rights Act was more about serving on juries, <laughs> you know, against mm-hmm. the. Even with that case, you could have these these mixed juries, and 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 this still is the case today, as far as no. you know, yeah, appeal to to white people and especially cops, you know, versus black people of you know judges. It, you absolutely better think of judges as as a a key crucial part of the prison industrial complex. Da- David, and they are overwhelmingly David. bastards. David, David, Ruth yeah. Bader Ginsburg is a is a socialist oh, hero God of the it. left. I'm, and if you I, say anything other than that, I don't know how to purport myself in uh in, you know, modern society. This is slap in the face number one twenty seven that I owe you at the end of quarantine and I'm keeping a list. When we right. <laughs> when when this quarantine is over we're going to take a month off because Nathan will be in a coma from just repeated <laughs> assault to the head by David. And I will have deserved all of it. <laughs> I'm just going to haunt you with the little veggie tales clip of the guys running away going the slapping, the slapping. So anyway, the Negro's access to the land was hindered and limited. His right to work was curtailed. His right to self-defense was taken away when his right to bear arms was stopped Hmm. Hmm. And his employment was virtually reduced to contract labor with penal servitude as punishment for leaving his job. Uber. And, in all ca- and in all cases, the judges of the Negro's guilt or innocence, rights and obligations were men who believed firmly, for the most part, that he had no rights which a white man was bound to respect. Making every allowance for the excitement and turmoil of war and meniality of a defeated people, the black codes were infamous pieces of legislation let us examine these codes in detail they cover naturally a wide range of subjects first there was the question of allowing negroes to come into the state that is uh step one they they did start at the beginning yeah he did say migration there again you know very very familiar if you uh if, if you understand you know views and people in power and how explicit things are you've got we talked about the two bad parties you have one party that um created the precursor to uh 
Division of Homeland Security um, in the 90s. And of course, you know, last set up a president who is the deporter in chief and the other party. Well, we know about his wall. And in between was the Patriot Act and the actual uh, creation of uh, Customs and Border Patrol and ICE. So, yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great. Uh, In South Carolina, the Constitution of 1865 permitted the legislature to regulate immigration, and the consequent law declared that no person of color shall migrate into and reside in this state within 20 days after his arrival within the same. He shall enter into a bond with two freeholders as sureties in a penalty of $1,000 conditioned for his good behavior and for his support. I don't want to think about that sentence any longer. No. (laughs) Especially in the matter of work was the Negro narrowly restricted. In South Carolina, he must be especially licensed if he was to follow on his own account any employment except that of farmer or servant. Those licenses must not only prove their fitness, but pay an annual tax ranging from ten to a hundred dollars. Under no circumstance could they manufacture or sell liquor. Licenses for work were to be granted by a judge and were revocable on complaint. I feel like that sentence right there is very important because I don't feel like they really yeah. know what complaint means. No. The penalty was a fine double the amount of the license, one half of which went to the informer. Jesus Christ. Snitches and I get be stitches or one half of the amount of the bail. Right. Plus, I don't want to slow us down anymore, but I mean, we got 10 more minutes to chug along here, and I want to point out something very important. Go um, for it. Every one of these things, too, you should be able to hear and go, okay, that's super grotesque, right? Now imagine a softer version slightly softer version with the same effect that didn't explicitly go by race, but was, you know, just in effect and, and could imply that it was done by poor people because it, I mean, it's, this is, these are difficult things for, for poor people to, to arrange, which by consequence cycles right back to overwhelmingly black people and, and overwhelmingly people of color. And that's a lot of the laws that are there today are, are, you know, softer versions of, of these kind of, you know, truancy things, especially, and you know, not, not even much softer versions. If you're a felon, Right. <laughs> if you're a felon, there is. If you're a felon nothing. and you get out of prison, what what's your second chance? Well, none. It, it's basically a lot like these coats. You know, uh-huh. you can't vote. Your employer has power to report you and send you directly back into jail. Like, I mean, what the hell do you think is going to happen? It, it it is. I I got nothing. I got nothing. Yeah. It is an embarrassment. Yeah. Uh, detailed regulation of labor was provided for in nearly all of these states. Louisiana passed an elaborate law in 1865 to regulate labor contracts for agricultural pursuits. Later, it was denied that this legislation was actually enacted. We made this law. No, we didn't. No, no, no. I have the documentation law- here. You wrote that yourself. It's in the book. <laughs> no, it's your book. But it's the your law copy. Was- but the law was published. The law was published at the time, and the Constitutional Convention of 1868 certainly regarded this statute as law. For they formally repealed it. They formally repealed the thing that you say you didn't do. <laughs> I, that, that is quote te- that is quote tweeting something, and the other person being like, "I didn't say that," but it's right here. No, I didn't say that. All right, <laughs> That's fine. when you get screen capped. Yeah. 
The law required all agricultural laborers to make labor contracts for the next year within the first 10 days of January. Oh, my, oh my God. God. So the first 10 days of January. All right. Got to pick who I'm working with for the full year. No other options. Mm-hmm. The contracts to be in writing to be with heads of families to embrace the labor of all the members and to be binding on all minors thereof. I, as dad of my family, go out and say, we're totally doing this for the next year. And me, wife, and 1.5 children plus dog are all obligated to follow through on that. Totally normal. Yep. Or be, you know, snatched away and thrown in jail. Each laborer, after choosing his employer, shall not be allowed to leave his place of employment until the fulfillment of his contract, unless by consent of his employer, or on account of harsh treatment, which I'm sure is easy to prove, or breach of contract (laughs) on the part of the employer. Also super easy to prove, I'm sure. That's like, like, I got fired for being trans. Well, they said you got fired because you weren't a real team player. All right, well, fuck me, I guess. It, this is the intersection of at-will employment and just straight-up slavery. Yay! It's, They're almost like the same is. goddamn thing. <laughs> and if they do so leave without cause or permission, they shall forfeit all wages earned to the time of abandonment. <sighs> I quit my job because my boss is being a shithead. Well, better give back the last six months of pay. Because yeah, that's how I this mean, works. And again, you can the gears should be turning in your head. Now... The boss can just say, oh, he abandoned me a month ago, like five hours after you guys got into a fight. Mm-hmm. And who, the, who is the court going to listen to? It, I, uh-huh. this, this, yeah. I mean, these, these are the things that, that you should be like uh, deeply understanding the second you hear the situation. This, because this they're, saying be the wor- that they're saying the worst case scenario of things that anyone listening to this should understand implicitly because you've dealt with this in your workplace. You've dealt with this in your day-to-day life. These are the sorts of things that you see from any corporate job in America right now. I I hope, I hope you realize a few things. One, how deeply racially coded the things that harm you are, even, even if you're white. And that does not mean that you get, you're suffering the same thing and we should be class reductionists. And then there aren't very spectacular ways that, that, you know, black people, indigenous people, et cetera, are, are suffering and we shouldn't put that at the forefront of our struggle. Um, absolutely. It's just that you should, you should understand that even what holds you back is upheld. The only reason it, it even flies, the only reason we don't have socialism in this country is, is because of racism that keeps that in place. And that's the roots of this stuff. You should also hear, uh, all of these things on here. And, and when Nathan says worst case scenario, Every scenario was worst case scenario if you're black, especially, and I don't want to pretend like things got any better, but thanks to the work of black organizers and black anarchists and black communists and and black, you know, civil right fighters, should they not consider themselves socialists, which I'm sure is the very small minority from from the history I understand, um, have won to the point that... Have, have, have won enough in their fights of the 20th century to the point that you know you can look at this and go oh that was grotesque oh that was that was so much worse than now um but even now we're still li- dealing with just a softer version of this it's probably affecting you too and everything that affects you about it affects black people plus other effects and and these are the roots of it this is what set poverty in place this is setting up sharecropping and and making sure what sharecropping is is not just some weird vague term of some old you know 
late 19th, early 20th century economics of the South, but very much the continuation of agrarian slave labor. And to be clear, this this divide existed before this as well. There was yeah. they they've talked, I mean this is Du Bois has they, talked about in this book the poor white laborer that that they tried to set upon before these rules. You just you should be able to see the arc so yeah. I mean, this clearly. Is, this is slavery with what slaveholders would consider red tape and a few less whips and everything outside of the physical whips being just as bad as before. And again, so I mean, that's now, what it is. now that a now that a it's quote unquote freedman now that a, then a freedman is on the same level as a poor white laborer, you have to create these other small things that again that a, that a person who lives in the society can go, oh, well, I know we're equal, but we're not equal. These these little things that again you yeah. that, that are they're and not those- codified. And those are there so that you can look at what black people are going through and go, that's not me. And mm-hmm. if they raise up to my level, I must be falling down to theirs. And I don't want to deal with this stuff. So I can't possibly team up with them and rise against my oppressor. I have to uphold the system that keeps me above them. And over time, obviously, they're getting the brunt of it, even when it starts creeping into affecting you. But over time, those lines are, of course, going to be blurred. And you're going to get effects like, you know, no socialism and me- medical care for all and, and welfare itself can't pass or gets destroyed from racially coded languages and at will employment and tipped wages and and you know expensive right police right to work extensive uh, police forces truancy and vagrancy laws all of these things are racially coded and they're directly made to and overwhelmingly affect black and indigenous people um, you know and and of course people of color as well uh, but it even gets to poor white people because it, it is the same struggle and every bit that it is different, it's designed to make you, as Du Bois explicitly said a couple chapters before, designed to make you, if you are white, go, hmm, I, I, implicitly, you know, even when pressed, you just, you're in denial until it like finally snaps in your head. And then you're really making a choice. Do I want to be that fascist or do I want to go back to my now? Do I want to actually do something about it? Um, implicitly goes, oh, I better hold up the system without even thinking about it. I have it good. At least I don't have those people. And yeah. one of the best ways to do that, of course, it's their fault. And th- and you can already have those gears turn. You have when you hear they go, they signed that contract. They chose to work there. They didn't show up for work. They ran away. You know, they again, they shouldn't have made up that the that the boss was was uh, being brutal to them or, or whatever. It's just a few a few plantation owners. And this is one of those times where he jumps in just and does that apple. job for us. In case of sickness of the laborer, which everyone should recognize, wages for the time lost shall be deducted. And where the sickness is feigned for purposes of idleness and also should be should refusal to work be continued beyond three days, the offender shall be reported to a justice of the peace and shall be forced to labor on roads levies and other public works without pay until the offender consents to return to his labor you're on a point system and if you're you get too many point attendance system, points if you get too many attendance points you're in a chain gang three days of excused absences beyond that you have to get a letter for fmla and if you're not on that chain gang <laughs> Me and David oh, are and doing. By the way, this if is you, before if you all have it, if you're all not uh, uh, working for a, a company that does that sort of a system, 
Mm-hmm. They exist. They're out there. Promise you. <laughs> that they is may, they insane. may fire you and let the the homeless truancy get you into the chain gang, but. You know, they may bring, like they may bring McDonald's in, but, applications yeah. to your your weekly meeting and go, well, if you don't like this, this is the thing you should do, you ungrateful Ooh. slob. Yeah, you were gone by that time. Whew, it was fun. Ooh. It was fun. That spiky-headed <sighs> motherfucker. When in health, the laborer shall work 10 hours during the day. That's ah, normal. Nothing wrong there. In yeah. summer and nine hours during the winter. I feel like you have that reversed, good sir, but fine. Unless otherwise stipulated in the labor contract, he shall obey all proper orders of his employer or his agent, take proper care of his work, mules, horses, oxen, stock, also of all agricultural implements, an employer shall have the right to make a reasonable deduction from the laborer's wages for injuries done to animals or agricultural implements committed to his care. You've nicked my plow. My donkey has a cold. You get negative fifty dollars this week. Congratulations, Willy Wonka speech. You get nothing. You zilch, get except nothing. Except more real, more evil, and he actually does not change his mind. It's so. It's it's so just. Uh, bad work shall not be allowed. That is the most weird statement I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Failing to obey reasonable orders, neglect of duty, and leaving home without permission will be deemed disobedience. For any disobedience, a fine of $1 shall be imposed on the offender. Okay. For all lost time from work hours, unless in case of sickness, the laborer shall be fined 25 cents per hour. Oh, well, you showed up uh, 15 minutes late, so that's a quarter of a point, and uh, we'll work our way up. For all absence from home, without leave, the laborer will be fined at the rate of $2 per day. Laborers will not be required to labor on the Sabbath. That's good. (laughs) Except to take necessary care of the stock and other property on plantations and do the necessary cooking and household duties. What does that mean? No. You should not be required to labor on the Sabbath unless it's totally necessary, in which case we'll totally have you labor on the Sabbath. No. I'm going to finish this paragraph before the end of this. Jesus said you can't grab your sickle and, and knock down a few cotton plants and get paid but you're under contract so please for the love of jesus so i can honor the sabbath cook me some dinner and clean my house for free for all thefts of the laborers from the employer of agricultural products hogs sheep poultry or any other property of the employer or willful destruction of property or injury the laborer shall pay the employer double the amount of the property stolen destroyed or injured one and half again, to be paid to the employer and the other half to be placed in the general fund provided for in this section. Again, again, who gets to be the one that proves if something is stolen by you and who gets to be believed? So now, not only can you not take back right to retribution if you actually do steal stuff because you'll be paid double. You know, I mean, that again, you know, that that's so you don't like grow a bunch of food and then take a little bit home for your family. Uh, but also, if the employer just real pissed off at you 
and and doesn't think your work's good enough. Not only does he have a clause that you didn't do work, and it's it's on him to prove it unless a judge says otherwise. And you better believe that judge is favoring. He could just say you stole something and get it back double. And again, whose side's the judge going to be on? Every single time. I mean, you and you we, could literally we see have this. a picture of you uh, of that guy stealing it, and you'd still have an uphill battle. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, and we see that this in its modern implementation in the, the the prison industrial complex and cops, right? A cop says they felt they were in danger. They they smelt marijuana on you. They can put ten bullets in you and say they were afraid. And there could be a video of you from their dash and their cam. And unless there's a public uprising, you're going to have a jury of nine people looking over your your death over your dead body and going, you know that cop was right. Like maybe somewhere between five and eight of them and all it takes is one and they're innocent. You know, the same kind of things up directly through a judge and, and more explicit and more exploitative for the employer. Exactly. Laborers shall not receive visitors during work hours. (laughs) That's a sentence. That's a sentence. All difficulties arising between the employers and laborers under this section shall be settled and all fines imposed by the former. Any disputes you have, go to the person that will almost certainly bring you the dispute, period. If mm-hmm. not satisfactory to the laborers, an appeal may be had to the nearest justice of the peace and two freeholders, citizens, one of said citizens to be selected by the employer and the other by the laborer. All fines imposed and collected under this section shall be deducted from the wages due and shall be placed in a common fund to be divided among other laborers employed on the plantation at the time when their full wages due, except as provided for above. If you for a second believe that that means that like, oh, well, someone fucked up and that that is literally, literally incentivizing snitching. That is yes. like we're going to put it all in a general yeah. fund for the laborers. So if someone is 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 trying to get theirs on the yeah. plantation, they are financially incentivizing you to rat them out. Yes. And again, again, not only is that horribly wrong and not only does it assume all these things you do must be wrong and the ins- exploitation is just, but it puts the onus on uh, honesty on someone who's motivated not to be honest for gain. Yeah. Everyone what do you think is going to happen? Someone is going to rat you out. And again, if someone does, and if someone's desperate and doesn't care about you enough and doesn't worry about it coming back on them, or at least is desperate enough to, to not care about it coming back on them for now, they can just make some shit up. Yeah. They think you can get away with it for quick money. It is for so, quick money. so, it is so, if you've listened to the first and the employer wins every time. So what do they care? If you've listened to the first couple paragraphs of these black codes and you're not, you're in a a position where you're employed and you don't think that this applies to you, I'm very jealous and you should send me like a link to wherever it is that you work because I would love to not be very viscerally experiencing all the things we're talking about here. Not to try and conflate modern times, but all of this made its way through. Yes, there's different levels of abstraction, and they're they're doing a better job of hiding it. But yeah. once you know the core of what it was built for and why it was there, you can piece this stuff together very easily. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, you know, there's two things that you should not mistake when you hear about 
you know, the treatment of slaves or sharecroppers or any of this history, anything we talk about anywhere in this book. Okay. The first thing is, is that you should not conflate what you go through as the same as what black people do go through even now the exact same time or have historically any of that. Okay. It's very different. It's, it's, it's much worse. And what is observably different has constantly voted, uh, motivated white people on a conscious and subconscious level, as well as, of course, you know, propaganda and, and, and pushing from their masters and, and stuff like that. Um, to support upholding these systems that even exploit these white uh, exploit white people to keep them you know a, a cut above what what black people are suffering through and you know so you should understand you're part of a group that is responsible even from the poor people up but especially from from the masters that exploit you uh, on the other hand you should be able to hear all this and go you know whether you're a listener and again you know not all our listeners are white we just talk about it uh like they are because me and nathan are and we've got to 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 be very careful what people take from these books um but you know if you are a listener and whether you are you know white black uh latinx indigenous whatever right um whatever you are, you should hear this and go, Oh, this is a lot like what I go through. Oh, this is how it manifests. Now it's less extreme. It's less explicit. It's a little less brutal, but the, the brutality is not that much. And again, once you're on the other side of the law, the brutality is full on strong, right, right back. You know, it's, it's right there. The second, the second you're a felon or a prisoner, or, you know, or, or resisting arrest for fuck's sake, which yeah. I mean, it's, it's the biggest load of bullshit ever. A cop can just come up and like, put you under arrest for nothing you've done nothing wrong and then the second you don't go yes sir on their word of mouth they can they can make it up and they are trained to say stop resisting even if you're doing nothing they're trained Ah, to do that um, to make it appear to any public observing or listening that you are resisting they just claim you're resisting arrest and bam you're on the other side of the law uh and the second you're there it's the same it's just as explicit you should hear this and go oh this applies directly to me you know and so both for selfish and unselfish for moral and expedient reasons i should vehemently oppose this white supremacist system i should want it destroyed immediately and i should understand this history and where this comes from so that i can make sure i don't fall into its trappings so that i can act on it properly so that i can know that i vehemently oppose it and never lose that sharp edge that i do and so that i can educate other people and try to bring their mind to a place where they understand that it's not all about them like we said you know it is specifically on this racial suffering this historic suffering um but also tie it back to class and how it does affect everyone um and and you know understand that that dialectic relationship there 100 percent. that being said i don't envy anyone who has listened to this episode because holy shit whatever we have managed to uh edit together into a, a yeah. listenable format will be uh will be a thing it'll be, it'll be somewhere between an hour and an hour and a half and god knows what what it'll it be. will not be anywhere close to an hour and a half and if it is that is uh <laughs> i mean i'll take it if everything we've said for the last hour and a half is relevant fine but it's not if it's anywhere close just know we're cutting some of this out for your sake no i'm just giving i'm just giving error bars just just error bars good um, I, yeah good to know if this episode is 45 minutes we've done a miracle um <laughs> that being said uh this has been mark's madness we 
talked far more about things that are not the book than we normally do. We apologize. Every once in a while, we got to get that out. You know, we got to vent mm-hmm. that. Got to push the pressure release valve and uh, talk about things that are not 100% the words of that book. If you hate that, you are more than welcome to voice that to us in a number of different ways. First of which is send us an email. MarksMadnessPod at gmail.com is a great place to send that email because it is our email mm-hmm. and that's the one we'll read. Um, you can send it to any other email. I just, I, I won't see it. Uh, you could also reach out to us on the hell site, twitter.com. Uh, we are at Mark's Madness Pod on Twitter. Um, we Our DMs are open. You're more than welcome to jump in there. Everyone who jumped in and let us know that our episode uh, last week was a little out of order, we appreciate you and you are our true comrades and I love you. Mm-hmm. Um, if- I also appreciate Nathan for being a fall guy instead of my typing. No, 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 no. To be clear, this was all Nathan trying to upload episodes at 11.45 p.m. Uh, <laughs> from my phone in bed because I had forgotten. Like, no, 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 no. David had no part of this. He does his job impeccably. Um, that being said, if you'd, like, if you'd like a more back and forth discourse with uh, with Nathan specifically, because David has important things to do that don't involve Discord, um, you can join us. In Discord, uh, the Discord that we live in is Dumb and Awful's Discord, so it's in our profile. It's Dumb and Awful Discord. Um, to be clear, it's it's Dumb and Awful, the show's Discord. We just live there, and the fact that all of you have been uh, jumping over and joining and uh, bringing bringing that Mark's Madness love, I I appreciate it so much. So it's bizarre to me that you all keep joining, um, but I, I appreciate it and I love talking to all of you. Um, but you should also listen to their show because they, they are nice enough to host us there. But if you would love to talk to other people or just have a background noise feed of like good Twitter where it's just your friends and they're talking about cool stuff and lefty stuff and you don't have to worry about seeing a weird fascist opinion every now and again, join Discord because we're hanging out there and talking and playing video games, doing all sorts of stuff. It's good times. Um, that being said, David... I feel like this episode is long, but I also feel like it's been a hot second since we did a disclaimer. Could you uh, disclaim oh. me real quick so I feel legally covered yes. in our in what we do? Yes, our trademark disclaimer that's incredibly inconsistent. So, TM, TM, TM. Uh, TM, 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 TM. Um, so hopefully, uh, when you're listening to this, the, the goal is that you're doing a reading group. Sometimes, you know, these word-for-word books would make this scenario a little more difficult. But hopefully, you're in a reading group, you're reading along, and you're doing your own discussions. And this can be an enhancement. This can be more context, more discussion, more... Uh, more analysis on what you're reading just to better get it so that that theory, you know, stays in your head a little bit better and is a little even better understood with even more perspectives. That's, that's the beauty of having a reading group. Uh, save that, save your, you know, in a, a reading group or, you know, I mean, just your parties, you know, PE is on a different subject or, or whatever, right? Um, you know, or, or, you know, you're not, not in one at all, that hopefully this can be your reading group. And so you can read along and then we can add the context that a group would normally give or the other opinions or the current events or the tying back to today, uh, that, that those groups would normally do, um, when you're discussing, you know, political education and, uh, save any of that. If this is just straight up your ebook, when we do read every word, like situations like this or your cliff notes for the, the books we do summarize more, whatever it is, our job is to make this theory more accessible to you. That means more accessible understanding. That means more accessible ideas actually in the work. Uh, whatever it is, we can get that theory out there. and Make sure you always understand that theory is nothing without praxis. It is only a guide to praxis, and praxis is theory in action. They should never be separated. They are totally symbiotic. 
Amen. That being said, this has been Mark's Madness. My name is Nathan. My name's David. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.